Hey everyone, today's a big day for Fly High Wi-Fi. Um, we are doing our first guest speaker and friend of Wi-Fi's um, to tell their story and view on mental health. Anthony Pernell. Hello everybody, how you doing? <laughs> uh, so Anthony, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and then throughout that you can talk about how your mental health is affected and how you handled it throughout life. And then since you were a friend of, or are a friend of Tyler, Tell us about how your story with him and the impact that he's made on you. Okay, so let's dive into it. Um, we're gonna start. We'll start from super young. I was adopted at the age of birth, um, and then well, put in foster care. Then adopted at the age of two. So, and then I assist on uh, families. Uh, after two, you then go into your childhood years. Pretty decent. I'm from the Bronx, so may not be the same as some of you who may be from the Midwest or something like that. Um, Bronx, New York, for, for those who may not know. And if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, grew up in the Bronx. Um, didn't move from the Bronx until 21, 21, 22. So, um, I'm not gonna go much into that not the best place, not the worst place. It was what it was. Um, when I started to venture on my own was when I started to experience life, you know what I'm saying? You pretty much just make it until you get out on your own, and then after that, you do what you want, and you do what you enjoy. Uh, so, 21 ended up in Jersey for a little bit, in Atlantic City, actually, Atlantic City, Jersey. Uh, was out there for six months. I did renovations. Yeah, I'm gonna talk back and forth. So y'all feel like y'all got some of you talking to you and she doesn't feel like she's sitting here just talking to nobody. So back and forth from Jersey and New York. Uh, cause I still wanted to visit New York. So I stayed in Jersey for six months cause I really didn't enjoy it out there, to be honest. The pay wasn't the best. Uh, but while out in Jersey, got robbed by gunpoint. That was fun. <clears throat> so that helped my decision. Like, yeah, I ain't, I ain't gonna be out here no This sucks. Um, then went to, I lived in Harlem after that for a little bit. Um, in Harlem, made sure the robbed at gunpoint didn't happen again. Um, and we, I stayed out there for two years. That was entertaining. And, uh, what some may call an abandoned apartment. Not really most abandoned, but it wasn't abandoned, but we didn't have to pay rent. It was a it was a slum. The floors were coming up, toilet seats were falling off, the oven didn't work, we didn't have heat for two maybe two to maybe three months out of the winter. Um no we didn't have gas at all for two, maybe three months out of the winter. So um it was another environment where you just made it, but it was independence, so I took it, you know what I'm saying, instead of going back to mom's place, uh, so enjoyed that for a little bit until it was no longer doable or just not something that was the most feasible situation, you know what I'm saying, um, and moved back in with mom for a little bit, but that was fun. <laughs> 
Because now it's like you, you're enjoying your independence for so like long. Taste of freedom, yep. and now you're back. Now over you're here. back. And she's like, "Yeah, where you going? What? Where am I going, <laughs> lady?" So yeah, there was that. Um, after that, did I? I did come out here after that. Came out here for 2019. Yeah, end of 2019. Towards. No, actually, right after my birthday, May 6th. My birthday's May 5th. May 6th, 2019. That's when I moved out here. I just wow, leaving. you moved out here two weeks before me. Yeah, I just left. <laughs> I, I, and it, I made, it was a decision within a week. It was like, I'm moving. Uh, my, one of my boys called me, my frat brothers, he called me and told me that one of the hotels out here was hiring like 1,500 people. So I was like, all right. I needed a job at the time because I was supplementing income with other means uh so yeah i came out here got that job enjoyed it for a little bit rented a room in a another subpar living circumstance and this is where i met wi-fi <clears throat> he met me when i was living there and uh he straight dropped me off home one day he was like do you living in the ghetto <laughs> i was like nah man it ain't the worst uh, a week later, he invited me to move in with him, and I was like, "Yeah, I can't. I, I'm not gonna pass this up, bro. I'm not the worst person in the world." And um, we didn't. I, and I say, "You're not the worst person in the world" because I didn't know him. No, we didn't really know each other. I was like, we would. I knew him for maybe a month at that point. So I was like, "Hey, you don't seem like a serial killer." At that, you get what I'm saying? So okay, I'll do it. As we know, I don't make the best choices when it comes to living arrangements so I was like this couldn't be the worst decision and ended up being one of the best decisions I made so uh, moved in with him uh, he was so cool he let my lady that I was staying with me at the time and I use the term lady loosely because she was someone that I met living in the other situation and we just ended up found finding that living together was cheaper <laughs> so we stayed together and he, he allowed her to move in um allowed me to even make her a key into his place you know what i'm saying so yeah so remember this is his place and him and his um if you don't mind at the time his fiance at the time they had a place together and you could tell at that time you could tell that this wasn't all last one he was spending as much time out the house as possible and i'm not I'm not ragging on her or nothing. It just they both were at getting to a point where he was going a different path in life, and she wasn't very accepting of it. So he chose that path in life, um, and I don't blame him for it. I I commend him for it because a lot of people will alter their decision making because of the person they're with. You know what I'm saying and then later on regret it and then that affects the relationship so he made the decision early he said all right listen this ain't gonna work they both agreed didn't work he moved out <laughs> i didn't know who he was staying with at the time <clears throat> but um he moved out and left a few things behind but um i stayed there for a few more months and then got out on my own me and my brothers we got a place but then to find out that he was staying with you 
Kiana. Yes, and not to, I'm going to say to people, not to say she was a, she interfered in the relationship at all. I'm telling you, it wasn't, it wasn't, they weren't compatible anymore. Him and the person that he was with were not compatible anymore. And it was apparent, I'm telling you, because I was behind the closed doors. They were also separated. They were for a oh, while. Full disclosure, yes, they were separated. They were separated at the time. There was no engagement at that time when they were together. So this is there was a lady in between them. There was a there was a <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring her up, but there was a lady in between that relationship and their relationships. So for those who may have thought whatever you wanted to think, fuck you. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So like, there you go. Um so yeah, he then invited me to, or uh, invited you over to, it was a night at Bender's, right? Bender and Katie's, was it? Yeah, it was a night at Bender and Kate's. And he said that he had this lady that he wanted us to meet. And I was like, it's about time, bro, because you, you've been at this place for so long. I, I, I want to know where you've been, who you've been with. So he brought the lovely Alyssa over, and she tried to be shy. She tried to put on the mask. But um, she, she it, it came off quick. It came off because we had to play. Uh, we played one of those games. I don't know what game. Icebreaker games. We played them. We had game nights. So you kind of do you're things like yeah, you're there. forced into like opening up, and which is good. Uh, then we uh, from there. Oh, th- at this time, uh, I'll get into some of the stuff we were doing. We were doing armed security at the time, working downtown Denver. Working the shelters, working the BLM riots, um, which was no matter what color you were, it wasn't the best environment. You know what I'm saying? Because you are not seen as the help, or and it's not one. We're not not the turn to help, but we're not seen as the good guys. You know what I'm saying? You're kind of seen as the bad guys when it's not really the case. I'm trying to make sure everybody gets home safe. And so was he. That was his main goal, trying to make sure everybody got home safe. Um, and I mean, not just people, guards. I mean, everyone. Police officers, EMTs. He made sure everyone got home safe. And when I say him, I mean Wi-Fi. Um, so we worked together doing that. We worked. He was our supervisor, actually. He, numerous times did he keep us out of trouble. Either keep us out of trouble or save our lives and uh, risk his own life or his own ass at the, ass at the same time. Um, and that continued for, we did that job for almost, we worked there for almost two years, like a year and a half, until they, I'm gonna be honest, they used him as a scapegoat. There was a lot of stuff that went on during the riots that uh, weren't commended people may have not appreciated but at the end of the day like I said he made sure people went home and he made sure for the most part everybody survived and I'll, I'd like to say he made sure we survived unscathed I'm saying ain't nobody missing anything nobody had any holes that they that weren't God-given <laughs> it was, we didn't, nobody put any holes in us uh, and sometimes at the risk of it, his or whoever's sanity, you know what I'm saying? It may not have been the easiest thing to go home with some of that on you. 
Um, but uh, we made it happen. So uh, there was many a nights where he had to make some decisions that I'm sure he wasn't proud of. Or, no, I would say he was proud of. In the time, they were hard decisions. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you don't regret anything you do as long as everybody, like I said, everybody gets home safely and everybody gets home. Everybody's alive. So, um, there were a lot of decisions that he, I said he was a supervisor, so a lot of things fall on your hands or a lot of things backtrack onto you. Whether it's why did you put that guard in situation or why did you put yourself in that situation with the guard? And um, I think anybody who's been in a supervisory role, role can relate to that. <clears throat> so yeah, we did that for a little bit. It was cool. We, he, like I said, he then took the brunt of some of the things done during the riots and was terminated. Um, they then tried to hire him back. And like, yeah, fuck that. We'll go past that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't join him back because for his sanity. psyche's sake, yes, for his sanity, he didn't need, he, he needed a, as far away from that field as possible. Especially after that, like after like him having time to recollect and like he was benched. So after you've been after you've been benched, you got a lot of time to think. After that time of thinking, you can either jump into it with a fresh mind, or you can kind of jump into it with a grudge. And who knows what it would have been? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm I'm glad he didn't get back into that. And at the same time, he was dealing with his own stuff. And you know, it's kind of hard to deal with your own stuff and deal with others who are dealing with their own stuff and try to help them through their stuff and this is kind of what we're getting at is uh mental health is a serious thing i'll go back and we'll backtrack for a little bit and go back into Sarah, the bronx yeah we'll backtrack and go into the bronx for a little bit um from the age of i want to say nine to maybe the age of no we'll go younger i think it was maybe a little younger maybe seven age of seven to the age of 15, 16, I did do um, psychiatric therapy. So I had a psychiatrist that I went to weekly and sat down and talked to um, because at that time there were, you're trying to navigate life. It's such a, it's a tender age, you know what I'm saying? Um, especially for like me being adopted and you kind of, you don't know if you want to know your family and you don't want to. So, going in for off of that, how did your decision on, because I know, because I know you, that yeah. you decided not to really search into your, I guess, okay. biological family, and you stuck with your adoption family because they are your family. Yes. That's who you see as family. Yes. So how did that mess with, like, any type of mental cases or how you grew into the person that you are? Definitely. Um... It can affect you in a bad or good way. You can either be negative or positive. 
Um, and it's all dependent on the day, the mood, um, the arguments had with the mom at the time. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's it, it, all, it all, it varies. Because, of course, there's days where I'm like, uh, yeah, you may wonder. I, or I may wonder what my heritage is. You know what I'm saying? Simple things like that. What my, uh, when you're dating, you don't want to, you don't want to date somebody who may be really your blood family. Uh, yeah, and I don't find that, that on, find that out later, you know what I'm saying? So you kind of don't date too close to home. Um, but then again, you don't know where too close to home is. So. So you don't, but, um, so yeah, it, it, you think about it at times, but then at times you're like, listen, these, these individuals who I've been raised by and have been around 98% of my life, they did the best they could. And that is, that's, that's everything to me. You know what I'm saying? I cherish that. I cherish, um, I cherish people investing time more than anything. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't really care about, like, uh, our, our blood DNA relation. I'm more about, like, people who, we have a bond. We've connected, we've grown, we've cried, laughed, um, been sad, been happy, mad, argued, disagreed, you know what I'm saying, everything, where it's like, um, we've, we've had every, where I feel like I can, we can, we can, we can do life together, I'll use the term, we can get through, we can get through anything together, you know what I'm saying, regardless if it's, I'm going through something, or you're going through something, or, uh, if my mom did, adopted me, is having a bad day, you know what I'm saying, which I don't, you, I don't call her my mom, but I call her mom. You know what I'm saying? She's your mom. She's my mom. So whether she's having a bad day and uh, maybe she doesn't know how to express it. So you feel like she's taking it out on you. And then you're like, well, I wonder if my real mom would do this. Well, you don't know. You don't know. You always got to think. You're real. There's a reason why your real mom's not around. It may have been because she was going through her own stuff. Uh, one thought that I always think is, what if she wasn't alive long after? So what if she cancer or whatever? God forbid, various things where you uh, I, it's it's made me a person that looks at all aspects of things. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It kind of sounds like you're going into the idea of ignorance is bliss. Yes, in a way, ignorance is bliss because what you some things that you search for you rather not find. So I could um. Not to be funny, but I could have looked them up, and it could have been drug addicts. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm like, hey, mom, dad, and they're like, son, and now I gotta like deal with this on my conscience. You know what I'm saying? Like thinking about them at night. Whereas like I don't think about them at night now, but if I did meet them and found out they were going through some type of hardship in life or struggle, now no, that's another burden on me. You know what I'm saying? Because and and I'm. I'm an unforeseen, unwanted burden, you know what I'm saying, because it's not something that you really want to take on, but it's something that is more forced on you, because now you feel some type of, and it's, it sounds weird to say, but you feel like you owe them in some type of way, because you find out they're related to you when they didn't really do anything for you, but make you, so I guess that's one of my fears, yeah. is come like meeting them 
or because I did find out, or my mom told me like I'm a junior, so it would be Anthony Philip Jr. or Anthony Philip Sr. would be my father's name. But yeah, finding things out like that, like <clears throat> if I met them and found out, uh, or if I met them and found out they were good, doing good, you know what I'm saying? Do you now like try to co-mingle your your, your families? You know what I'm saying? Do you try to like like I found out my parents are like rich. Um, m- mom, you should come with me and we, we could go live with my real parents. You know what I'm saying? Like, or like, so there's that. You know what I'm saying? And that's the other side of the spectrum where it's like, they could be super successful. And, and then also then it's kind of like, why? Exactly. And then you feel a grudge. Mm-hmm. If you're super successful, what was the reason behind it? Like, were you pursuing a career at the time? And were you, and, and, do you feel it was okay? And when did you feel was the point you were going to look or search? Mm-hmm. And so and things upon that nature you get into when you like even ponder. When you, when you even just ponder upon like, hmm, I wonder what my parents. So what's your advice to somebody who may be in this situation, maybe struggling, maybe at the point where they're deciding whether they want to reach out or not? Because obviously every answer for every person is different. Yes. So, so what's your advice on how to... I would say if you do want to or if you have any information on your parents and you're not comfortable in the life you're living and you do want to reach out to them, I mean, make do everything in your business too. But if you, if you are truly comfortable in the life you live and the family you have and the people around you, um, take your time. The day will come. And... Then some will say, maybe, what if it's too late? What if I take my time and it's too late? Um, if everything happens for a reason, you know what I'm saying? There is no such thing as too late. There, there is there's right on time. So if you didn't meet them or you didn't see them, it's for a reason. And you may not know that reason. Um, if it was too late, what if you didn't meet them and you found out they had cancer? Is that too late? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What is too late? So, th- and that's why I say it, there is no too late, because if you if you if you find out about your parents and you find out the information about them, and you find out they're deceased, go and look for whoever else is connected to them. Look for the, the rest of your family. Do a deeper dive, and um, hopefully you find some of the answers you're looking for. Um, they got so many things out there where you can start 23andMe and yeah. all those DNA tests where you can just like plug hair or do blood and stuff like that. So it's way easier than back in the day when it was, you had to hire a private investigator. You gotta go find that. Yeah, exactly. Like name, this is their last known name. location. Yeah, yeah. This, they last lived in this state. Um, now that <clears throat> you can go all the way back to your ancestors. So if you truly want to find out, go for it. But I, I, I recommend you wait until you're at a comfortable place in life. And I mean, not comfortable as in financially comfortable, not comfortable as in, I mean, yes, a mentally comfortable place in life. Like you have, <coughs> you have prepared. <clears throat> and yes, and yes, and trained and, and because best believe that's what I'm doing. So, but, but please, I recommend that you, 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 you prepare yourself for whatever outcome. Because the last thing you want to do is 
invest time and feel any kind of letdown or regret or um, uncertainty of the reasoning behind why you looked for them. You know what I'm saying? Because you that can then weigh on you. You can if you find them and find out they have ten kids, ten more. You have ten more siblings now. Do you do you now have to celebrate? Christmas with 10 more individuals and there's they like things like that go into it so and that's why I say like prepare yourself think about all aspects of it think about like um whether whether I don't, I don't know there's so many different different outcomes so prepare yourself for whatever outcome and um yeah yeah mentally 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 I don't mean but Christmas you gotta buy 10 presents I mean like there's 10 more emotions attached if you have 10 more siblings, you know what I'm saying? You now have to watch out for if there's, you have five little sisters. You now have to make sure they're, everything's going well with them, you know what I'm saying? I don't know about, maybe not for some of you, but I would feel that way if I found my family and found out I had now more brothers and sisters. It would be a burden. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it would be something that would, I would, would then put a, a, a halt on my life. Have an yeah. Have an yeah, and it would then put a halt in my life, and I feel like maybe now I gotta move to this state to build a bond with them. You know what I'm saying? Because like I said, it's about bonds. Um, so I'm gonna move a little bit further into yeah. the background that you gave us. So you said you had left. You tried to make it on your own. You went back, and then you left again. I know a big stigma in today's age is like a stigma on men being able to take care of themselves, not showing their emotion. How did that, like, I guess, affect your ego yes. and your mental health to finally give in and say, I do need to go back home. I do need to go back to my parents. Yes. Um, it can, <clears throat> I say, the, the, and I can only speak for men. I can't speak for females. I can only speak for the male gender. Um, is, is putting that ego aside and, and humbling yourself and that, that I will tell you not just for that moment in life but for many moments in life um, it, it, it is something that's required as a man is putting that ego not to the back burner but maybe to that middle burner you know what I'm saying and just, um, just being open to listening and or experiencing so and I say listening because in many situations as a man uh, many of our situations are situations where we can become or we may want to be the more dominant one in the situation or the alpha and you can then miss a lot that's uh, that's being given or being told or the opportunities in the, in the is um so I had to humble myself to move back in with mom because yes now I was I think I was 25 yeah I was 25 at the time so yeah we'll say 25 whatever I don't know I'm not about to sit here and do math <laughs> but um yeah 25 so at the time I of course I'm dating I wasn't in a I wasn't married or anything so I'm actively dating. You, you 
don't got your own place. Of course, it's a sex life. We're not going to play dumb here. Um, and I was really open with my mom about that. She knew about my sex life. She knew about um, I indulge in marijuana. She knew about that. So it was a little, it was a little more easy. It was a, it was an easier transition when, you were when I was, because I already had some independence and I was able to sit down. Like I'd already been living on my own, came back home, visit mom a few times, sit down on the couch. She, you know what I'm saying? Tell her what I'm going on, what's going on in life. And for the most part, I've been pretty open with my mom. So like, and I think that's what's, what's helped us develop the bond we have is uh, I, I tell her the simple things, you know what I'm saying? And that made it easier to express the big things. You know what I mean? Telling little things like, um, I don't know, I was just, I hooked up with this girl in the staircase, you know what I'm saying? Simple things like, where were you looking up, hooking up with this girl in the staircase? Sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and simple things like that help it for, like, the nights when you, it, it was a night when I called from jail. Made it a little easier for nights like that where I'm like, she knew if I'm, this is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you this is what happened, this is what happened. I just, question. yeah, there was no question like, I don't believe you. Like, no, 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 mom, listen, you know, you know I'm going to be bluntly honest with you. So if I'm telling you this is what happened, this is what happened. So, um, yeah, humbling myself and, and being honest, being open. And sometimes being just just having conversations. Those days when, because you gotta remember you're not living with your parents as an adult. So you're you're running and gunning. You're working, living life, going out, entertaining friends, blah 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 blah. You still have to remember to take time, sit down with mom, and have a talk with her. I don't care if it's sit down and have a glass or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Sit down, and have a drink sit down, uh, watch a TV show. She like watching like Family Feud and stuff like that. So sit down, we'll watch stuff like that. Sit down 30 minutes to an hour. That eased moving in with mom and dad as an adult. Or, uh, cause I'm telling mom and dad, my dad lives in a whole nother. He lived, he got his own place. So he never lived with us, but he always came to visit. So I didn't have to worry about living with him. And he eventually got to a point where like he was getting pretty old so he we didn't want him to drive over to us anymore my, my dad now is probably like 85 86 he's close to 90 so at the time you know what I'm saying? He goes, at the time we were like you're 75 dude go just go relax yeah go relax you don't need to you know say 75 you 80 go sit down you don't need to be driving right now we're not worried about that so that's why you won't hear me mention him a lot, but he did, he went to graduations, he went to... He was there. He was there. You know what I'm saying? He definitely was there. He got me into baseball, chess, he taught me how to bowl, taught me how to play pool, things like that. Um, so, but mom was the person I lived with, so you'll hear me reference her. But, yeah, so, I'll get back to, yeah, spending an hour or a half hour every day will ease a lot of that tension that some may face as far as moving back in with mom or dad. You feel like you're less of a person. It takes some type of like self-awareness. Yeah, you know, it takes, like, yeah. Just know it's temporary, it's temporary. Yeah. The only time you should be, be beating yourself up is if you feel like, yeah, this is home. 
Yeah, I'm gonna live here for the rest of my life. And when they die, I'm gonna take on this place. Unless it's a house that you own, property that you own. Um, I don't know. I'm not gonna speak for you guys because others' family situations may be different. You may be living in a six-bedroom apartment or six-bedroom house. Uh, I live. We lived in a three-bedroom apartment. Three-bedroom, two-bath. It wasn't the worst, but it was me, my mom, her sister, and my little brother. So already too many people for a three-bedroom. You know what I'm saying? For my mom and aunt, they had their own room. Then I got to live with my little brother. Nah, I took the, well, my mom was nice, and she actually took the living room, and I took her bedroom. But, yeah, she, and she was awesome for that, so. There's a lot to say about, and Purnell is her name. <laughs> She's a mom scholar. Yeah, she is a scholar. Um, so going from there, it's probably like the same aspect when Wi-Fi offered a helping hand to yes. get you back on your feet, get you out of the situation you're in. Was that like I a felt humbling? That, I felt that. I felt that moment was definitely. It wasn't a moment that I I jumped at it. It wasn't a moment that I felt like less of a man. It was a moment that I was already prepared for because, like I said, I moved back in with mom, and that was a humbling moment. So at this moment when um and. He did, and I, I want to say what made it easier was he didn't make it feel demeaning. He didn't make it feel like, this is where you're staying. Mm -hmm. Like, no, he, like, bro, yo, you living in some unsafe shit. There's, yo, better, there's better things out there. I got a room that I just got games and stuff in, dude. Is You know, his room. Mm -hmm. You want to live in there? You can live in that room and just kick me back some rent. Like 600 bucks. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Having somebody that you like barely knew mm -hmm. offer a helping hand like that, how does that change like your perspective? Because I know we live in a, a world that seems very evil, seems very like yes. everyone's out for themselves. How did that like really affect you? Because I know me knowing him personally, me knowing yes. you, but as much as we live in that world, we do know that there's good people and there's good intention out there. So. No, hundred percent. Um, like I said in the beginning, I didn't. It was this. We just we just met each other, so. I would say I had probably as much and as little hesitation as he had. And and I say that to be fair to him because I'm sure he would he was at a, had a moment where he was like, I don't really know what I'm getting myself into, but this guy doesn't seem like a serial killer. He doesn't and I say that about him, but I'm sure he said that about me. I don't really know, but there's no chance that there's two serial killers gonna move in together, you know what I'm saying? And we both probably had a moment like that where it was like, well, what's the worst this guy could do? And, um, yeah, I was more honored than anything that I just met you and you like, letting me move in with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Would you say that's, like, impacted your growth in your life? I would say or? Um, that, that, that impacted the way I then embraced people. And I only say that because coming from New York, not very embracive as far as random individuals. And as, as, as awesome as a guy's Wi-Fi was, he wasn't, he wasn't just going to embrace strangers. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't just going to take a random person in. Me and him, we, we knew each other a little bit. So we, we had talks. We sat down a few times, had conversations. But we didn't, like, like I said, it was a month. We worked together, so that allowed us to talk and get to know each other. So, yeah, I then had to, I took all of that to, uh, into thought and um, 
the time that I knew him or the time that me and him had together, um, I want to say I learned a lot from him because he was one who he could come off selfish. He could come off 100% selfish. But if you knew him, you knew he wasn't. You know what I'm saying? And um, it was just kind of like his party outfit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he, 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 all right, party time. He was an, an, he was an extroverted introvert. And I say that him. because I am one. So I understood it. He could be at home for 16 hours in his room playing video games. Or he could be out with 30,000 people. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and fully be like engulfed in it. Not just, not just be like a fish in the pond, but literally just be out there mingling like, and, and be in his environment. And, um, living for, fully for the moment. Yeah, living fully for the moment, literally. And then go back home and be quiet again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, dude, how do you do it? But, um, so yeah, I did learn that from him. And, um, in a way, you, you, you see a lot of yourself in some of the things that he does and how he navigates through life. And it gives you the courage to navigate through it because you're like, oh, all right, well, he's not like rocking it, but like <laughs> but he's, he's it. crushing it. Like he's, he's doing it. He's out here doing it and, 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 and like fully doing it. Not just like, like I said, he, not just in the crowd, but like talking to people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's, and then the crowd forms around him. You know what I'm saying? And for whatever reason, he wouldn't know why the crowd would form around him. But he wanted the crowd around him. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And you understand what I'm saying. Because you get it. Like, he would, he would be, he was the most, uh, I'm like, I'm a people pleaser. And I like, I like, I can deal in crowds, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm the person who likes to interact and like mingle and like talk. And person that's quiet in the corner, I'm gonna go talk to them, try to bring them out of their shell, and he'd be like, topping me, and like, who does this guy think he is? <laughs> like, like, uh, and I'll tell a small example. It was like, um, working at the hotel. This is where we met each other. Um, he was a guard. He was regular loss prevention like us. We ain't have nothing. We ain't, and we hated. We all hated it, but we didn't have nothing. And I say, well, we we weren't allowed to carry anything. That's what I'll say because I ain't gonna say we didn't have nothing. But we weren't allowed to carry anything. Um, we're dealing with ice. So at this time, we're dealing with uh, maybe groups of ten to twelve thousand people. And we're getting medicals on top of medicals and medicals. We have two EMTs, and they're calling him to help, like with medicals. And I'm like, this guy's not even hired as EMT, but he was so well versed and like so well rounded that he qualified as an EMT. He just didn't have the position for him. So when it got bad enough, they called him. And um, there was a day like. He was brought on stage at somebody's convention because he saved their daughter's life and like they 
they commended him, gave him accolades, and he's a damn employee. Like, we all wanted to hate on him for it, because we like, we want accolades like that for stuff we do, but um, he, he earned it. You know what I'm saying? We get out there and start doing better for the rest of us, I guess. But, yeah, it's more things like that where it's like, he, he was just doing his job. He didn't expect to... He was saving this little girl's yeah, life. Yeah, he, he wasn't well, trying to get accolades. He didn't know who the parents were. He didn't know that these parents were like running this conference of five thousand people. But he kicked it into gear. He just—it was, it was a call. It was a medical. He saved their lives. He then watched, like, like, and I think like what what really like got them, and I say them, I mean the parents, is because he followed up like the whole weekend. They were there. Like, any shift he worked, and he, he rarely did he not work a shift, and, uh, That's true. yeah, for all legal reasons, I'm not going to go into it, but, um, <clears throat> we'll just say he pretty much did 24-hour watch, like, or follow-ups on that child for the rest of that weekend, and they loved it, and, like, God, like, he, and he got many things, like, Everything he got, he deserved because he did earn it, and he went above and beyond. And I don't want to say for no reason because that's a terrible term to use, but um, he went above and beyond because that was just what he—that that was who he was. You know what I'm saying? And that was the only way he knew to like kind of live life was um to serve, literally yeah, that's... <laughs> to serve. So based on like your childhood growing up, knowing the situation with Wi-Fi. Knowing that his dream was to help people, hence why yes. we're here, is to grow and help people, probably not in the same way as he would have, but in very similar yeah. ways, we're going to try. What is your like, biggest advice and take on mental health, or suicide awareness, um, whatever? Mental health, it starts with mental health, because as you let that diminish, that, then you then feed into your um, suicidal thoughts. I will say, um, but um, the biggest thing is talk. Don't feel like no one can relate. Don't feel like you're alone. Don't feel like no one wants to listen. Um, if, if you call somebody, if they will, if you know them, answer the phone, call them, and um, tell them. <clears throat> and also be receptive of help and and. Don't feel like you're crazy. Don't feel like you're alone. Don't feel like you're the only one that is going to. It's happening to. Um, I'm not going to tell you. I don't know statistics, but look it up. There's 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 tons of like like mental rehabilitation places. There's tons of them. Like it's it's a big business. I'm telling you, and for a reason because it's serious issue. So please, I don't don't think there's no space for you, and don't feel like you don't need. Uh, there's nothing wrong with M1 holds. There's nothing wrong with them. Sometimes you gotta be watched. Sometimes people need to watch you. So embrace it, allow it. Um, if you feel like you are getting to a point where you feel alone, reach out to this hotline. Reach out to. Um, iron Wi-Fi, Fly High Wi-Fi. Um, I'm saying Iron Wi-Fi because that was, I think that was his name. Fly High Wi-Fi, yes. So, reach out 
and um, somebody will pick up. Trust me, there'll be a phone number, email, something. If you feel like, if maybe you don't want to reach out to us, I don't know. Um, don't be afraid to call 911 on yourself. People do it. People call 911 on themselves all the time. And they will probably get to you quicker than anybody else can. So, and even if you, I, I don't know, probably, I don't know if you want to hear this part, probably don't. Even if you, you're still going to do it, call 911. So at least you have a chance, you know what I'm saying? If you feel like they maybe they can't talk you down, maybe they'll get there. Um, and some people don't want them to get there, I get that. Uh, but I encourage everybody, before it's too late, just reach out. You never know who's willing to listen. Shit, somebody may move in with your ass. So, yeah, there's that. Fly high Wi-Fi. Everybody take care. So thanks for joining us today. Um, I do want to close with a quote from Rumi. It says, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. Any change, any big change you want to make in the world starts with you. You can't pour from an empty cup, so help yourself so you can help others.